Reds Nation, what's going on? Welcome to the Reds Pulse. I am your host as always, Brent Perlman, and ladies and gentlemen, we're just about a month and a half away from regular season baseball, but in the meantime, here on Reds Pulse, we'll talk everything Cincinnati baseball today, everything Cincinnati baseball tomorrow, and that glorious future that lies ahead for baseball's first professional team the Cincinnati Reds. I am presented to you, as always, by the Pulse Podcast Network. You can find podcasts on anything from sports, movies, entertainment, comedy, comics. I can't keep going on because i got to get into the Reds, but, I mean, we pretty much got everything. So check us out at www.pulsepodcastnetwork or check us out on Twitter at Pulse Podcast Network. Today... We'll get into some of the early storylines out of Goodyear, Arizona, where the Reds are hanging out, doing a little spring training before this year gets kicked off. Uh, I'll look at some of my top places to watch the Reds when they're at home at that beautiful field in downtown Cincinnati, Great American. Uh, And then I'll kind of jump around the league a little bit, talk about what's going on around baseball, and get into the all-important NL Central. But first... Uh, I think some of the major storylines with the Reds right now involve uh, my guy, Nick Senzel. I'm I'm personally a big fan. Uh, He was drafted in pretty much 2016. Uh, Last year, uh, Baseball America, who's one of the top prospect ranking uh, websites out there, he was ranked number seven, took a little bit dip this year, went back down to number 10. I'll still take the 10th prospect in baseball, don't get me wrong. I think some of that has to do with his his injury stuff last year. He he dealt with some vertigo, uh, which I think teams don't really know how to handle in terms of how does that project into the future um, in that right index finger that simply just held him out of some games. Uh, But still, you know, even in the games he played last year, he batted 310 in AAA, not bad at all. Uh, you know, on base percentage of around, you know, a little under 400. Um, so the guy knows what he's doing. He, he balances that batting average with, you know, batting power, you know, not like Joey Votto in that sense, but, um, you know, he definitely has power, but he can also back it up. You know, he can put the ball in play and, and, uh, you know, let the runners (laughs) run around the base a little bit. Um, as I think some of Reds fans may not be used to, um, AKA (coughs) Billy Hamilton, but, um, It'll be interesting from that aspect also, the fact that Senzel is going to be taking over in center. That's been some of the talk this uh, offseason, and David Bell even kind of hinted at that idea that they were really going to go forward with that. Um, I'm not sure how long that lasts. I, I think the idea of it was simply the fact that there's a hole in center. I think they're, they they got to find a, a spot to put Senzel's bat, and you might as well you know take somebody's spot who just left and move him into center. I don't, I'm not saying he's not going to be a great center fielder. Um, I just think right now that that's where he fits best. And let's say he really struggles out in center. Um, I think you'll look at a lot of other spots. I don't think they'll keep him out there long if he's really struggling um, defensively. You know, for instance, you know, how's Matt Kemp doing? I expect Matt Kemp to have one of the better years, if I'm being perfectly honest for the Reds. But let's say he's really struggling. <clears throat> Excuse me. If Matt Kemp is really struggling, you're going to move Senzel right over to that right field spot so you can free up those other uh, two outfield spots, whether that's for Puig or um, Shebler or Winker, whoever it may be. Um, you're going to you're gonna move him really quickly because you got some other bats um, 
you know, in that dugout that can really help you if, if um, Kemp's not out there. But let's say Kemp's doing well, then you're probably going to take up that other outfield spot. You may even move over um, Scooter Jeanette, who we'll get to here in a minute. But I think Scooter's the guy in that infield who's going to get kicked out. Um, I think he's probably put up better numbers than Peraza. But I think the Reds really like Jose Peraza. I think they're really interested in his future. I think they want to give him the at-bats. They want him to develop. They like the speed. Um, you know, I think they just really like that batting average to go up a little bit. I don't think they're willing to take at-bats away from him. I think the fact that they haven't given Scooter Jeanette a, a contract extension probably tells you a lot. Um about what I'm exactly and what I'm talking about, that Scooter is probably going to be the one of, of any of those guys are not moving. Suarez, it, there's no way. They're keeping Joey Votto with the at-bats that they want him to have, um, which will be less. I think Joey probably pays about uh, 130 games, somewhere around there. So I think uh, you could see Senzel maybe move over to first just to get some some playing time, but uh, Senzel's going to get every chance, if they, especially if they bring him up at the beginning of the year. Um, but that gets us into our, our kind of the second topic, which is, you know, does Scooter Jeanette deserve or do the Reds uh, give him a contract extension? Uh, right now he just went to arbitration last year. He's making $9.7 million after arbitration. Um, he's had amazing years for the Reds. The past two years have been incredible. He's going to have a baseball easily in the Reds Hall of Fame for the four uh, home run game, uh, different you know different accomplishments he's had. But um, you know moving forward, I think the Reds have already told you that they're willing to to kind of do that wait and see type philosophy. They want to see Senzel in center field. You know what if Senzel really flourishes out there? What if he looks great? I think they're more likely to give Scooter Jeanette. A contract. What if they move in? Uh, you know, Jonathan India, a guy they have in the pipeline who could easily, you know, be the next Red second baseman. Uh, probably, you know, two, three, four years down the line. Who knows? But um, again, a top prospect that they have in there. Do they move him? You know, at the deadline to get some type of pitching for a playoff push or anything like that. You know, there's a lot of things I think that will dictate whether or not Scooter Jeanette gets a contract. And obviously, a big part of that is can he put up another year like he has? I mean, if he puts up Another year of over 90 RBIs. You know, every, he's had two years already with over 90 RBIs for the Reds. Um, you know, been a top one-two guy in RBIs for the Reds the past two years. If he backs it up with another season and those other things fall, where where like I just mentioned, they might. You know, Scooter Jeanette's going to get a contract. Uh, but the Reds aren't willing to jump the gun yet. They want to see some of the stuff unfold. Um, and, and I think they're smart in doing that. Uh, you know, Scooter Jeanette even came out and said. You know, they know I want to play here. They, meaning the, the organization, uh, he enjoys the fans. He loves the coaching staff. He loves his teammates. He's saying all the right things. And, and that normally for the Reds, that means you get you get the contract you want. I think they just want to cross their T's and dot their I's. Um, and maybe Scooter Jeanette is the guy they shop. Um, if they're really in it and they, Again, Senzel, let's say, struggles in center, and they need to find a spot for him. Maybe they do move Scooter. Maybe they already know they're not interested, and they, and they try to get any value they can instead of just simply letting him walk. Um, so I think Scooter, Jeanette, another name that will be interesting to watch in 2019 um, on whether they want to move him or not. Um, I would be more likely in the idea that they either move him or simply let him walk, um, even though, man, that's tough to say. 
Um, but I think he's going to want 11, 12 million a year, and uh, I don't. I, th I think for the Reds, that's going to be a price that they're not willing to pay, especially for a guy who's 29 who's going to want five, six years. I don't know if the Reds are willing to do that part either. Um, so they may not be, you know, perfect partners. But man, what a career! If that if that is the case, Scooter Jeanette um, was a hell of a Red. Uh, but anyway, for the final note here I have for the Reds at a good year is. Just picked up the other day Derek Dietrich. Um, if you're not familiar with Derek Dietrich, he's really a, a, an all-inclusive utility player. Plays a lot of uh, – last year he played mostly outfield for the Miami Marlins. He's been in Miami his whole career. Um, but he also, whether it was in the minors or even early on with the, the Marlins, um, he jumped around the infield. He played – I think he played every single infield spot. Um, I, I would I would guess the least being shortstop, but I believe he did has played there before. Um, but last year he played mostly in the outfield. Um, I was reading up a little bit on it. It sounds like, surprisingly enough, they really like him to be Joey Votto's off day guy at first base, which is kind of interesting. He's not a power guy, not necessarily a big big guy, but his career batting average of two fifty four you'll take. Um, last year he even batted a little bit above that, 265. You know, still a relatively young guy. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Reds. Uh, uh, the Reds moving into that uh, analytic, <laughs> the analytical philosophy. I think having these kind of players you can pick and um, whether you know you do your double switches with the pitcher, whatever you're doing. Um, I think the Reds really wanted that flexibility of a guy who um, does a lot of similar, totally different players, but similar to what Javi Baez does for the Chicago Cubs. He jumps from position A to position B. Wherever they need him, he puts it in there. Um, now, this guy isn't a starter for the Reds, but he can do kind of that same um, idea. So I think it was a great pickup uh, for the Reds. But that's, you know, the early reports out of spring training. The Reds will actually start playing some baseball here. Uh, they'll start this Saturday, the, the 26th, against uh, the early Battle of Ohio against the Cleveland Indians. Um, so check your TV listings and your, your radio broadcast. Hopefully Marty, uh, since this is Marty's last season, hopefully he's doing some of these spring training games, as I'm sure he is. Uh, so I'll definitely be tuning in looking at those box scores. Um, but the Reds, uh, they'll have an exciting year, man. Win, lose, or draw. Um, and even not on the field, I think they'll have an exciting year. Um, in terms of some of the transactions we'll see, um, I think the Reds will be extremely active one way or the other, um, whether they're in it or whether they're out of it. Um, I think you'll see the Reds very active on the trade market, um, like I said, one way or the other. Anyway, some of the early uh, notes out of training camp. Um, but anyway, we'll get into my top five here. I got my top five places to watch from at Great American Ballpark. Uh, this list was not easy for me because I enjoy watching baseball from any place. Um, but if I had to rank them, you know, this is the order I'd probably put them in, especially for these five. So at number five, we'll start out with anywhere in the outfield. Uh, I'm not big on the outfield. You have no idea what's going on. You can't tell if it's a ball or strike, yet you're yelling like you have every certain idea whether that was a strike. And especially if it's the Reds pitching, it's always a strike, but we won't worry about that now. Um, so you're, you're extremely opinionated, but you really have no clue because you can't see anything. Uh, too many kids with gloves. Um, you know, there's always probably about, I don't know, I'll be 
careful when I make this guesstimate. So probably about 50,000 uh, kids that go to every Reds baseball game with their gloves. And they every single one of them think they're going to catch a, a, a home run. You know, nobody expects that they're going to get a foul ball. Nobody on the lines really you know, bring their gloves. But everyone who's sitting at, you know, in the stands at the outfield, they all think they're going to get a home run. It's fascinating to me. Um, having said that, I've never caught a ball, so maybe that's why I'm pessimistic. Um, but anyway, like I said, the upside of the outfield is obviously only hitting the home run. There's really no other benefit to be sitting 400 feet away. It just doesn't make sense. Number four at Great American, any place down the right field line on that first level. Um, could have been higher on this list because um, that's probably where I sit the most because um, you can get some pretty decent uh, seat prices there. and um, It's also real big on um, any of the food. They have that fry box. They have their little homemade barbecue place. Um, they have their craft beers down that line. Um, another big reason down that right line that I love to, to just walk down there is they have their little kids section with the wiffle ball field. They always have some home run derby or whatever the heck kids are doing over there. Uh, it just looks like so much fun. A lot of free area, a lot of area to kind of just walk around um, for Great American. It's really just an extension of the banks. If you really think about it, it's right on that Pete Rose way. Um, and it's just, it's perfect. Um, so uh, this really could have been higher. Um, but, I, you know, you got to be tough. I got to be rigid here. I got to give you my top five. So that's why down the right field line, first level, that would be, uh, number four. Number three, the upper deck on the third base side. So as high as you can go, um, I think for the Reds it's level 500 or level 400. Um, but it's probably, in terms of a view, easily the best part, best spot in Great American Ballpark. You see kind of little bits of the river. You see Kentucky. Um, you can just see kind of outside the ballpark, and you're really looking down um, you can kind of see in the Reds dugout a little bit. Um, it's just a perfect, in terms of your view, you can spread out. There's never really very many people up there, obviously. Kind of pick where you want to sit, get a great view, you know, put your feet up. Um, and it's really just a great spot to hang out during a game. And you don't necessarily have to be as engaged with the game, but um, I've always had so much fun up on that third level. Um, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty here. Um, people will argue with me on this one, but I, at number two, I'll put directly uh, behind the Reds' dugout. Uh, people will probably put that up t at the top because you can get autographs and you're really you know, right there with the players. So there, there's a ton of benefits. Um, I, I just think in terms of the actual game, you're not able um, to, to really tell as much like I was talking about with um, sitting in the outfield, you can't really tell your pitches as well. You don't really have any idea what's a ball or a strike. Um, you're not really able to see the game from that point of view. But having said that, um, you can really see the launch angle on hits. You can see if a ball's falling, um, you know, in, in terms of a hit or if it's going to be an out. Um, so it's, that's why I put it up there at number two. Number one, um, I do think a lot of people probably agree with me here. Uh, but simply just behind home plate. You, you can't beat it for so many reasons. It's a great view of the pitching. You get an idea for how fast that ball is really coming in there, how you would handle it as a hitter. Uh, you can see all the baseball shifts, every ground ball. You got a good idea if the guy's got a good play to cover it. Um, you're just kind of at the right angle, and that's, that's why the home umpire is right, obviously, behind home plate. Um, but really the key here 
And the reason it is number one on my list, and this is why I ran away with it, is you got that chance to be on TV. Who doesn't want that chance? I'm trying to be on TV. Why do you think I'm doing this podcast? I'm trying to blow up. I'm trying to be big time. So any chance I can get on being on TV, I am going to take it. That's why I have sitting behind home plate as the best spot at Great American. Uh, real quick, uh, we got just a short podcast today. Not much. We really want to get the season started. So that's why I don't have much for you today. But real quick, I'll jump around through baseball. Uh, Manny Machado, I told you if you're listening to this podcast, I thought he'd end up with the Padres. I think that simply ended up that way simply because of the money. Um, they do have a really nice uh, top four of their lineup. You go Kinsler, Machado, Hosner, and then Will Myers. Um, I mean, that's pretty That's pretty good, especially with Machado and Hosner, um, Hosmer excuse me, being there for the next – Eight years to get. I mean, Machado's there for another ten, but Hosmer, Hosmer's there for, you know, eight years. So the, the Padres will be interesting, especially because the Padres will be in a very similar place as the Reds. Um, they'll have a very potent lineup, um, but they have a ton, just a ton of young, developing pitchers that they're going to be relying on. So they're still really going to struggle, um, but their top, I believe, four of their top five prospects um, are all pitchers. Um, so we may even be competing with the Padres in terms of um, who's being sold off in July, um, free agency for the next couple years. Um, the Reds and the Padres are really kind of in a similar boat of, of needing pitching and that really being their main focus. Um, but in terms of how good they'll be, I doubt it. I don't know how many, um, you know, especially they're going to be so cash-strapped um, so you're, they're not going to get the big free agent names. They're not going to be willing to pay a lot of money. Um, I think the fact that they can't really draw a ton of people to their ballpark, I think is really going to hurt them. I think I personally doubt the fact that Machado will be there for 10 years. Um, I just don't see it. I see them kind of selling that contract off if they're struggling for a couple of years. Uh, I don't think they're willing to just eat that money, uh, for multiple years. But anyway, uh, so I was right with that one. Where I may be wrong here is with Bryce Harper. I do think Bryce Harper probably ends up with the Phillies. I think since the Phillies missed out on Machado um, and they went into this offseason telling not only their fan base but telling everybody who would listen that they were going to spend big money. They were going to spend you know, close to $600 million this offseason in free agency. Now they did go get Corbin, Patrick Corbin, the pitcher who was with the Diamondbacks. Um but uh, they need to spend some money. They, they promised their fan base. They have a young core that's really talented. And even if they don't get Harper, they could still make a run in the playoffs. I just think that Harper, they got to go through with that. they got to spend this money. They promised their fan base. But if I'm betting personally, which I do, but don't tell anybody, I still think Harper ends up in San Francisco. I mentioned it on a couple podcasts before. They have the money. They can spend it. And I think for Bryce Harper, I think it fits perfectly. I think he wants to be in Silicon Valley. I think he wants to be in San Francisco. I think he would literally join the Golden State Warriors. I think he'd be on the end of their bench. I think he would love it. He kind of gives off that personality of wanting to be involved in the community, which I love. There's not nothing wrong with that if I... Played for a professional sports team in, in uh, San Francisco. I'd want to be a part of the Golden State Warriors as well. Um, but I think Bryce Harper, um, I still would bet on him ending up with the Giants. I, the Giants haven't made any moves. I think they're kind of sitting back waiting to see their price. 
Um, but the Phillies could come in and just say, hey, look, we haven't spent any really any money other than Corbin. We got to throw money at this guy. How much do you want? Name your price, and we'll see you, you know, in, in a couple days. So um, I think Bryce Harper will be interesting, and I think Bryce Harper will wait till the very last minute. Bryce Harper is in absolutely no rush. Him and Scott Boris know what they have, know they're wanted. It almost reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. They have zero doubt that the market will be there. Um, when when push comes to shove, there's there's just no chance somebody doesn't pay him, you know, thirty five forty million dollars a year. It's just gonna happen. It's just the reality. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where Bryce Harper. I still think it. We don't see him on the team for another week. Um, I mean, it obviously could come at any time. I just think that they're gonna wait. They're gonna try to get that price all the way up. Um, and especially now that Machado's out of it, they can kind of leverage that. Um, I think that there's no doubt that Bryce Harper ends up getting the money uh, that he pretty much wants and has really asked for this whole offseason. Anyway, I promised we'd get into some of the NL Central stuff. Uh, Baseball Prospectus came out with their yearly analysis of what where they think teams are projected to, to end up at the end of the year. I uh, won't read you all the, the exact records, but I'll g- just give you where the NL Central... Uh, they have them at the end of the year, right? They have the Brewers, one, the Cardinals, two, the Reds, three. That's right, the Reds, three, Pirates, four, Cubs, five. Now, the thing that obviously jumps out to you or to any fan really is having the Cubs end up fifth. Um, they have the Cubs under 500 at 79 and 83. I just think that's silly. Um, you know, if the Cubs, the Cubs really start out weak, um, you know, then they're going to make moves. They're going to spend money. They're going to go get people. Uh, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs aren't getting fifth. That's just not going to happen. I think it's either going to be us or the Reds um, or the Pirates because I think the Pirates are just kind of going to be struggling from an offensive standpoint um, in such a strong division. Um, so I, I don't see the Cubs um, ending up fifth. Like I said, I think that's kind of silly. To be honest with you, I have the Reds ending up below 81 and 81. Which is where I had, where Baseball Prospectus has the Reds ending up um, a beautifully 500 team, which would be, man, that'd be just incredible. If the Reds can go 500 this year and kind of build off that. I have the Reds uh, probably slotted around somewhere like 78, 76 wins, obviously give or take. Uh, it's pretty much pretty ballpark, but um, I don't see the Reds finishing above 500. Um, I could see the Reds being competitive. Um, maybe in July, June, things like that. Um, I just think they're going to start fading at the end. Um, I don't think, like I've, I've mentioned before, I don't think they have the pitching to sustain that whole season. Um, and I think they're going to be very interested in making decisions early in the year, which I think is going to hurt the Reds. I think if they're not in it, they're not going to keep fighting and scratching to get in it. I think they're going to say, all right, let's start selling Kemp. Let's see what we can get for Wood. Is anyone interested in Puig? You know, these are the decisions that David Bell is going to have to make, which is why in the beginning of the podcast I mentioned um, that his year is going to be just fascinating um, from that standpoint. We're going to see him grow right before our eyes, but I think he's going to be thrust into that a lot earlier because they're going to have to start making decisions on players and whether to be shopping them or not. Um, so I have the Reds finishing under 500, not to be a hater, um, but more just to be realistic. Um, I just think the Reds still have a long way to go. Um, and I think they're on their way. I, I do have to say, um, I think they're on their way. 
Anyway, thanks for joining me this week. Uh, this time next week, the Reds will have played some baseball. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, like I said, they start here February 23rd at 3 p.m. Uh, I believe they're on TV, and I know I'm sure they're on the radio, so please check them out, as I know I will be. Um, next week on Reds Pulse, we'll talk again about what's going on in Goodyear. Can't get enough of that stuff. Uh, I want to mention a little bit about the talk, a little bit about the free agency, um, in terms of how it went down this year. You know, players not necessarily thrilled with how um, teams are spending. I'll kind of give my thoughts on that, um, and obviously any other free agents that get signed. As I said, hopefully uh, by this time next week, uh, Bryce Harper's on a team, and we can kind of get into that and uh, put some of that to bed and get ready. See kind of a, a greater picture of what 2019 will look like uh, across baseball. And, of course, anything that might come up with the Reds, I'll be all over it. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please rate, subscribe. Uh, I'm available on any of your podcast platforms, whether that's Spotify, iTunes. And, of course, I will always be available uh, at the Pulse Podcast Network website. So check it out www.pulsepodcastnetwork.com. Um, again, a quick shout out to them. A fantastic, small, but growing company that I love being a part of. Um, and we will see you next week. Be well, guys. Peace. At the end of your message, press one.